Greetings, programs, and welcome back to another episode of the Awesome Friday Podcast. Uh, my name is Matthew, and I am your host. And joining me uh, is Simon, uh, otherwise known as Captain Hot Takes. Uh, he's <laughs> been demoted. Um, oh, uh, how are you? How are you, Simon? Yeah, my, there's, there's not going to be many hot takes today, I'm afraid. I'm okay. It's um, It's been a busy weekend. Uh, I packed my wife off to the spa today to celebrate her creating two humans. Good well, job, yes, that is. person. We are recording this on, and it is, and it is still Mother's Day. So if you have a mother, or if you are a mother, happy Mother's Day. And yes. if you have a mother, go give her a hug, because you only get Aww. one, and uh, you may not always be able to. So, dude, you anyway. come over for dinner. Come for dinner. I'm making, um, I'm cooking for my wife, and I'm making mascarpone chicken, which is a butterfly chicken breast filled with cheese and sage, wrapped in prosciutto, and then uh, cooked in basil and olive oil, and then simmered in white wine. That sounds delightful, but I'm making steak for my wife. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, Good. I don't know why you cook your food in a guy called Basil. Uh, instead of the <laughs> instead of the herb named basil, but anyway, oh, okay. <laughs> herb has an H, and it's basil for the love of all colonial people everywhere. Yeah, um, two two okay. countries separated by a common language. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, it has been a wonderful thing this week because yesterday was Eurovision Song Contest, which is my Super Bowl. I watched the whole thing, all four hours of it. And I loved every second of it. I am such a sucker for that show. And um, I've always loved the, the Eurovision. And then um, we, you made me watch the movie, which I thought was going to be terrible. It turned out to be amazing um, with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. And that movie has somehow made me love Eurovision even more. It, it's a beautiful partnership between I mean, it's art a, it's and a... life. It's a perfect distillation of Eurovision as well. And what's really nice about the Eurovision movie is that it it's quite hard to explain to people outside of Europe what Eurovision is. I've seen so many articles in Canada and America this week. It's like, I'm trying to understand what Eurovision is and I can't blah, blah, blah. It's because it's like you take the you take the worst songs you can get together in Europe and then put it into a competition and vote for your best one. And it's like the Gay Olympics is completely over the top. It's got so much history to it and it's got a sound to it and whoever made the eurovision movie absolutely gets that like they absolutely understood what's great and funny about and ridiculous about eurovision song contest and then they, they put it into a great script i don't uh, i don't necessarily agree that all the songs are bad <laughs> but i get where you're coming from Dude, yeah. they're, all of they're, all of this all of the uh, uh performances though are ridiculous for sure the songs are mostly terrible, to be fair. I mean, but you're not looking... It's a bit like when you go to karaoke in a bar. You're not looking for someone to stand up and sing something properly. You're looking for something that's got, like, the audience and an edge and, like, energy. And it's very much like that. And um, England this year came second to last. Um, <laughs> luckily... And all got... was right in the universe. <laughs> well, we almost won last year, so the universe is now in balance. We came second from the top last year. But the only cu country below us was Germany, which is, of course, the only thing that matters. And um, it was uh, it was a fun night. Yeah. Fun night. And, of course, well, hosted, hosted in the UK this year because of it was supposed to be in the Ukraine yeah. who won last year. But, obviously, yeah. there's a terrible war of aggression happening. 
Yes. And yeah, fact, though, I will say this. Speed. I will say this. I so I don't. I don't. The only time I've ever watched like the whole of Eurovision or the few times I've like come over and watched it with you, but mm-hmm. I do try to keep up. I do like go back and watch the performances. And I do think it's it's really fun. Um, I do. I've gone back and watched like multiple years like performances over because I just like watching that kind of stuff on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But what I'm gonna say is I don't quite want to accuse them of rigging the show. <laughs> oh, but also, it, but also, uh-huh. it does seem very convenient that Sweden won. <laughs> And next year is the anniversary of ABBA's win. Yeah, you know that does seem. Yeah, <laughs> it, like it's uh, it's I can't remember what anniversary it is. I know it's a milestone anniversary. It's fifty. It's fifty, 50 right? So like yeah. it does seem incredibly convenient that yeah, Sweden does, won just in time for a milestone anniversary for ABBA, who be... no, I'm sure totally uncoincidentally put out a new album in the last twelve months. So. <laughs> I, I think it's partly that it, it, that's completely believable, but also Sweden this year went absolutely uh, guns blazing. The woman who sang is a massive, massive pop star in Sweden and has across the world billions and billions and billions of streams. So um, this was the first year where they opened up the public bidding to people outside the UK. So we, we were able to vote as well. And I think that they... Um, I think the thing with Eurovision is to understand that it's not about the quality of the song. It's about convincing the public to vote for you. And <laughs> I, I think that they understood, okay, we'd like to have it in Sweden for the 50th anniversary. And we know the public vote is way more important than the jury vote. It turns out the jury vote loved the Swedish song anyway. So who knows about that? But um, I think they... Uh, they understood what it takes to win and they also sent her in with an absolute storming song it's it's not the kind of song you would typically say is a upbeat like euro pop song but it is an absolute like uh scenery chomping ballad with a big rousing chorus which is exactly what we didn't have in our song so um and she was interesting to look at as well she's a very distinct personality so she's I also won they, before. She's the first woman to have yes, won twice, I believe. That's correct. That's correct. Johnny Logan being the other person who's won and uh, twice, and uh, and she's good. She's like kooky and weird and and interesting. And it's uh, I I kind of wish Finland had won with uh, the song Cha Cha Cha. I don't know if you've caught up with that song, but I it yet. was. Uh, it was. It could have fit in the Eurovision movie perfectly. Uh, it's a typical, <laughs> typical Eurovision absolute lunacy of a song that people really connected with. So it almost won, but Sweden won just at the end. Is it ridiculous in in the double trouble kind of way, or in the <laughs> love kind of way, or in the or in the running with the wolves kind of way? Uh, Which for all of you listening at home, those are all all real songs from the Eurovision <laughs> movie. Uh, it's hard to pin it down. It's it's one of those Europop songs that you, if you were medicated, you'd probably check that you hadn't taken too much that day. It was uh, <laughs> it, it was really something. It was really really something. So well, who knows? Just just remember that the song Husevik from Eurovision was Academy Award nominated and when it was performed at the Oscars it took an entire choir of children to replace (laughs) it. 
<laughs> so do with that information uh, what you will. That's such a great film. If I'd had time, I would have watched the movie straight away because it's a great, it's a, it's a great echo of what makes Eurovision great. It's really good. Yeah, and it has one of uh, Rachel McAdams' greatest line reads ever. Like I, is... I've spent a significant amount of time uh, a couple of weeks ago trying to work out if uh, the elves went too far is better than oh no he's dead. <laughs> 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 like uh, <laughs> Rachel McAdams is uh, is perhaps overlooked a little bit for her comic delivery. Like she has got excellent, exquisite tonal timing with uh with those lines and um that second line is from game night if you haven't seen game night please please watch game night um it's by the same I'm, people who did the recent dungeons and dragons and it's i was gonna say i'm sure people are tired of us talking about game night already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's because it's one of it's probably the best comedy of modern times and it needs to be appreciated it's such. definitely definitely victim to its own i believe our ratedness um yes. which i think yeah. is you know it's one of those films where people say, why don't they make, you know, comedies for adults anymore? And you can say, Game yeah. Night is right fucking there. Yeah, it's, it's right there. Right yeah. Yeah. And it's widely available. And it has a, an amazing score. And anyway, I'm just going to shut up now. Um, also, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman has brilliant timing. I know he's... I haven't seen um, the thing he did that you like and lots of people like. That's a place in America where he's, he's trying mean, darker stuff. You mean... You mean Ozark, yes. in which he is great? Yes, thank you. Yes, Ozark. So I'm sure his dramatic acting is great, but I love, I think he's a, a fantastic comic actor as well, with great um, delivery. The episode of uh, Murderville that he does with, with Will Arnett is... Uh, actually, I had to stop a number of times. I don't know if you've seen it. I had to stop a number of times because I was hurting from laughing. Um, I mean, he's very... Because they, they can't hold it together. They can't hold it together, and he's just so dry. And Will, Will Arnett, I think, can't cope around him because they've obviously been doing this for so long, and it is, it's fantastic. Really good. I mean, that film is well cast all around, but I, I'll hold it uh, in special esteem because it's the film that introduced me to Sharon Horgan, who is, I think, amazing. Uh, yes, I'm absolutely not going to Google her. She's the um, Irish. She's the smart, she funny Irish woman. Oh, hi. Who yeah, the dumbass yeah, invites. Yes, Whom, if you yes, have never great. seen, if you've never seen her TV show, um, if you've never seen her TV show, which is called Catastrophe, you should definitely look it, look it up. It's on Prime, I believe. Um, right. The setup of which is that she's a teacher living in London, and um, Rob Delaney is a businessman there on a business trip, and they have a week-long fling, and then she gets pregnant, and then he moves to London, and they get married and start a family. And uh, it's very <laughs> it's very much about the difficulties of parenting, but also just of, like, mm. how are we've known each other for 10 days. How are we going to make this work type thing? Right. Um, but it's, it's very, <clears throat> very funny. Um, and especially... They get ran for four seasons, and Carrie Fisher plays Rob Delaney's mother in it, and she's oh, hilarious. Cool. And uh, once, at a certain point, it jumps ahead. Like, every season, it jumps ahead a little bit. So by the third or fourth season, they have, like, two, like, small toddler children. And it, it like, mm -hmm. I don't have children of my own, but I imagine for some people, it's going to hit a little close to home. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. What's that called? Uh, What's the show called? It's called Catastrophe. Right. I'll check that out. 
Lovely. Well, Game Night yeah. um, was the first time I'd seen Jesse Plemons and anything, and that's always a pleasure. But also Billy Magnuson, who is one of my absolute favourite people to pop up in in movies. I think he is wonderful. And uh, if you haven't seen Disney's Aladdin live-action remake, uh, you should watch it for a number of reasons, but especially because Billy Magnuson basically steals the show in his two-minute scene. He is wonderful. Hmm. Yeah, he's often he's often good. I don't. I agree that that movie is much better than most people would give it credit for, um, mm-hmm. but that it's not actually great. <laughs> it's just fine. Okay. Um, but he also he also plays a smarmy CIA guy in the latest in uh, No Time to Die, and he's perfect mm-hmm. for that too. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Good. Okay, well, shall we move into our now that we've rambled? Yeah, now that we've rambled, let's leap into our movies. Um, so uh, the first film we're going to talk about is a horror film and another entry in a long-standing franchise, which is a bit of a personal touchstone to me. Um, so, but Simon, why don't you take us through the basic setup of Evil Dead Rise? I would love to. Um, Evil Dead Rise is set in an American um, like uh, apartment block that's very run down and it's not been maintained. The electricity flickers and it's structurally showing its age. And I believe the um, word you're looking I, for is condemned. It's a condemned. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> there's a there's um, a woman there living with her two children and her her partner has has gone, and she's she's I think it's fair to say she's struggling meeting the needs of her two teenage children, uh, male and a female, and her um, sister who is a guitar technician. Um, comes over because she needs to ask for help with an issue that she has. And um, in order to speak to her sister in private, she sends the mum sends the kids out to get pizza. And the kids go get pizza, but while they're in the parking garage, garage um, downstairs, there's an earthquake. And um, the, uh, the building, which is, as you mentioned, slightly condemned, just a little bit condemned, cracks open. And this is a movie of ridiculous moments where no one in the Mike Ryan would do it. But it cracks open and uh, um, the kids find this hidden room, which is a, a, the bank vault of the bank that is under the foundations of, of what this building is now. So, of course, they climb, one kid climbs down into it. And of course, he opens these lockboxes and he finds old pictures and dusty things. But he finds some um, uh, vinyls, some records, and he finds a book. And it's clearly, it's like bound in flesh and it's got teeth. He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to keep that. So he brings that back up to the apartment. And uh, out of curiosity, and shall we say stupidity, he decides to uh, both play the vinyls and try and open the book and and then trying to open the book he pricks his finger on the teeth and the blood absorbs into the skin and it flicks open and it, at this point any normal person would go yeah okay this blood th- my blood activated this skin covered book is probably this is probably the time i'm going to stop now but um if you've watched any of the evil Dead, you know it, it's always unleashed by people uttering uh, incantations um and in this movie, it's uh, the vinyl uh, plays the priest who goes from being curious about this to discovering that he's unleashed something terrible by saying these words. And of course, the words get spoken. And the evil 
rises um, and uh, in, uh, uh, takes over the mother and basically the entire movie uh, because there's another earthquake and it stops. It destroys the, uh, the uh, fire escape stairs and it traps the elevator. So it's basically a bottle movie in this one floor apartment of this evil demonic creature trying to kill everyone, but also trying to spread itself into uh, other dead people. And um, uh, without spoiling too much, that's pretty much the whole of the movie until it moves to a finale point. And then there's a, there's some bookends. It opens with a bookend, and then it closes with a connection to that bookend. And, from, and I personally found it hilariously funny. I was laughing all the way through. Um, it's the actress who plays the mum uh, called... Uh, uh, Alicia Sutherland, uh, a model, Australian model turned actor, has got tremendous physical acting qualities. And when she becomes the demon and starts using different voices, and it just feels like she's having a really good time being this demonic character. And um, the demon picks off these people one by one, and it's up to the sister to fight back. And fight back she does. And I... Like, spoiler, I loved this movie. Loved this movie. <laughs> I think there's a decision made at the end to to up the stakes for the finale. I don't think that decision worked. I can think of some uh, a slight adjustment to that without spoiling it, but it drops the pace at the end and it can't quite stick the landing for me. But it's just such a fun movie to see this demon like pick off these people one by one it's also terrifying and very graphic but um totally it's it's such a, a riot i loved it it might even be my second favorite evil dead after army of darkness now i know you don't I mean, you, didn't, <laughs> you don't feel the same way do you so how do you feel uh, it's just interesting to me that like <laughs> that i mean my favorite evil dead is to this day is still evil dead 2 which I think mm -hmm. is the one that straddles the horror comedy line the best. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think Army of Darkness, which to be clear, I love, but I, for me it skews a little too comedy, and in the same way I think this one skews a little too horror. It's much closer to Evil Dead 1 in terms of its like tone. Um, and just like the like cadence of the funny bits. Um, but I mean, it's still a great movie it's still a great time watching it i'm not i ended up purchasing it and i have no regrets i will definitely yeah. watch it a bunch of times yeah. uh and you're 100 right the uh alicia sutherland in particular i think everyone in the movie understood the assignment but i think alicia, alicia sutherland in particular yeah. um understood the assignment there's she has a couple of legitimately amazing line reads once she's the demon um yes. <laughs> that like at one point, she, like, her youngest, like, toddler, like, not toddler, but under 10-year-old daughter is like, are you okay, mommy? And she's like, nothing a hug and a kiss from you wouldn't fix. And just the look on her face as she says it is incredible. Um, and, yeah, just her physicality throughout the way she is able to, like, contort her body and, and just seem otherworldly is is pretty amazing. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's, it's brutally gory and that's not a complaint for me it's just a warning to anyone for whom it might be a thing um there's several scenes that made me legitimately squirm in my seat 
Um, uh, but yeah, honestly, I just like if I have a problem with this movie, it's that it wasn't funny enough. Um, mm-hmm. But and also like when you say the pace drops in the third act, uh, that I think is a bit of an understatement. There's a part, there's a point at which it basically just stops. Um, yeah, and it never really I, recovers. You're right. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, and there's also a point where um, it's never not making references to the previous movies, to the original trilogy of movies, especially. But there's a mo- there's a moment where there's a wonderful moment of fan service that's also nestled in among several other moments of like you didn't need to do this fan service. Like it becomes a little bit fan servicey towards the end in a way that I think takes away from it. Oh, um, I didn't feel that. Um, but like, again, these are, it sounds like I'm pretty down on the movie, but I'm not, I liked it. I thought it was great. Um, I'm super happy that it's made something like $130 million against its $20 million budget. We'll probably oh, get a bunch great. more of them. That's awesome. Um, and I really hope that, um, you know, Lily Sutherland and, or Sullivan and Alyssa Sutherland and, mm-hmm. um, I think it, basically everyone else in it, is, you know, gets a big career bump from it. Um, mm. And there's a number of like just really great horror moments. And uh, I would say, I think I like the whole movie, but I think honestly, the best part might be the opening ten minutes, which could basically just be a short film set in the universe. Mm. Is kind of a perfectly executed like eight minute evil dead short and i loved that part of it Mm. also has the best title cards of any movie you've seen oh yeah title card is great um but if nothing else it also like it does really like go all in with the old school cinematography tricks Mm. that the the first ones really went with and in particular it's just that like instead of being you know, camera mounted on a board tied to a bicycle. It's just a drone now, but it kind of works. <laughs> it works really well, actually. Yeah, it does. That reveals, um, right? That, that made me laugh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a great movie. It's really well performed. It, it could, it could have been, it could have been a little better balanced for me. I guess that's all I'm trying to say. A little better balanced and a little better paced. And I think it would have been a great movie, um, but it's still a good movie and you should totally watch it. That's my entire review. I mean, yeah, a lot of this is subjective. It might be too graphic. I actually found the opening 10, min- 10 minutes almost too much because it's not really played for laughs at all. There's, uh, it it's, is very scary. It's very, very scary, the opening 10 minutes. I found it way more sc- like graphic and scary than any other part of the movie, including there's a part of the movie that has been doing the rounds as, as being this thing that people can't watch. It's totally fine. Well, I found it fine. But I I found the opening ten like genuinely nerve wrackingly scary. Yeah, I think for me, I think that the reason I like it so much is that it's the only it's the only part of the film that actually feels like they're trying something even remotely new. Like they're not trying to be a horror comedy at that point. Because I think oh, interesting. I think what it boils down to for me is that it it does feel a little bit like the the funny bits are kind of shoehorned in at times in this one. And mm, I don't right? agree with that. I and don't like, agree with that at all. No. And like, uh, and some of them, some of them are still legitimately great, but it does feel like it was written as a gory horror movie with comedy peppered in after the fact to me. And again, 
this is a very subjective nitpick. It's still a good movie. You should still totally say it because some of those scenes are legitimately great, uh, and I don't mm. want to spoil any of them <laughs> because uh, yeah. they, they are great. But for yeah. me, it's a good film with great moments rather than a great film. Is yeah. all I'm trying to say. I, I did like it more than you. I, I thought the humor landed much better for me, but I totally agree about the the final 20 minutes. It, it completely, the breaks go on. And I uh, there when you watch it, there is a choice made. And if you can imagine them going to the same place in the same technique, but having to fight uh, multiple people instead of one thing, uh, I think it would have... It would have been so much more pacey and so much more interesting. And really, they could have ended with the the, the same way they ended the film. But um, I, I just think they didn't think have they the, had the budget. I think they didn't have the budget. Yeah, like yeah. the because the the thing that happens, it's hard to talk about without spoiling yeah. it a little bit. But in many it ways, in many ways, much more than any of the previous films, it's a much more like Lovecraftian thing that happens. Yeah. 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 And but I they, just don't they, think they had the budget to like make it happen in a meaningful way. You never actually yeah. really fully see what's yeah. happening. A lot of cutting around. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like if we're, if there was ever a film to make cheap looking effects and then show them to us, it would be an Evil Dead film, <laughs> yes. right? Like, just show me what you're doing. It doesn't honestly. I would. I think I would like it more if they were like, you know what, this is ridiculous, but we're just going to put it on screen. But instead, they seem to edit around it and cut around yeah. it in a way that I find very disappointing. It's weird because the rest of the movie, the effects are really, really solid. There's some great vomit tech, three different colors of vomit, and uh, some great like um, great makeup effects too. The makeup, the, the physical uh, horror is really, really good. And I think the end, they were they kind of painting themselves into a corner, deciding to go down a route where they couldn't really show it as a whole physically. It had to be CG, and as such, it just um, it didn't have the weight. It didn't have well, like you say, we couldn't even see it. I think they should have. I think that was a bad choice. Yeah, I was, was going to say, how could you tell whether it had the weight or not? Because you never get to see it. Well, you, there's that you get to see it like bit, but... you see like a shadow scramble, and that's like it. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's in like, and it's in a dark room, and it's you yeah. Know, it's uh, there's just a bunch of choices that are made that I don't think 100 percent work. But again, yeah, I like this movie, so should, yeah. um, my recommendation is you should see it. I loved it. I've just got big as I texted you. I've got a big smile on my face every time I think about it. I just had such a good time watching it. Great. Yeah, for me, and I'm I'm 100 percent sure that when I'm thinking of the great moments, I'm definitely smiling. But the problem is. And this is going to sound really nitpicky, but for me, the issue is that I'm only thinking of those great moments, not the film, right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like, it's it's a good, it's a totally fine film. It's a good film with a few legitimately great moments and not a great cohesive whole. Mm-hmm. And I, well, I hate, me, I hate I... when this kind of happens because I hate... It sounds like I'm really negative on the movie, but it's a great time. Again, yeah. no regrets having purchased it. No regrets. We'll definitely <laughs> watch it again. Um, and the the scenes that are great are legitimately. So there's at least one that I would say is like an all timer in terms of like mm-hmm. horror horror line delivery followed by visual. There's one mm-hmm. that's a bit of like an all timer for me. Yeah. So. 
So this, I, I, I do like it more. I think it's a great movie that could have been incredible. It's a four star movie for me, and it could have been if the if the ending had been handled differently, it would be a five, um, because I I just adored it. But I get the feeling you're perhaps going for three here. Yeah, if where it's a four that could have been five for you, it's a three that could have been four for me. Right, for sure. That's fair. Um, it is the kind of thing where, like, maybe, maybe, if we did half stars, I might consider three and a half based on like yeah, two yeah. or three individual scenes. But like, mm-hmm. as it is, yes, three stars and three stars, and I wish it was four. I guess might be a better mm-hmm. way to put it. Because um, again, it is a great film. It's it's super fun, and I hope that I get to see Alyssa Sutherland in particular yeah. in a ton more things. And also, it is on demand, which is where we saw it, but it's also still playing theatrically. And I think it's the kind of thing, if you can find a room with a bunch of people to watch this, a late night movie after you've had a few drinks or or the other drug of your choice, uh, uh, legal drug of your choice, of course, I think it it's the kind of thing that would play brilliantly in a room of people who are into it. But, I would say, um, I would say that that is true, but the full of people who are into it is going to be a key thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you manage to find like a screening that's full of horror buffs or Evil Dead fans, then yeah, this would be a great time. This would be a great time. So, so basically, when this gets to the Rio and the Rio shows this, go and watch that. <laughs> because the Rio, the Rio is full of good people. So yeah, yeah. do that. That's true. Good, 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 good. What a great film. Loved it. Yeah. yeah it's funny, actually. We I was going to talk about this during our, our bonus um, ramblings, which all patrons get access to. And we have a Patreon. You can subscribe to that. Find it in the show notes. But uh, it's funny because um, speaking about you know spoilers and video and stuff um, and like-minded people. I don't know why this reminded me of this. But anyway, um, I was doom scrolling on TikTok yesterday last night and someone posted an entire scene from guardians of the galaxy three which i did not watch i I, as soon as i realized what it was i paused it and then i stopped and i commented and i just said you know it's totally a dick move to record this and put it on socials like within a week of the film being out and now my notifications are full of young assholes telling me that i'm a male karen and if it was 10 years ago i might be right (laughs) and how i should cry harder and um, really? and honestly, I already have a hard enough time going to the movie theater, and this kind of attitude, like this, just is it's just why why wow. do I ever want to go? Yeah, that's totally right. Ten years ago, uh, it's totally different. Like now, you can just go watch a movie and be a fucking asshole about it. So if you are listening to this and t- thinking Matt's a male Karen for asking not to get your phone out and record in the movie theater, do everyone a favor and stay fucking home and watch something else. Like, don't come out and bother people with your stupid fucking ideas. And like, I, I the thing that absolutely drives me crazy in the cinema is someone on their phone drawing a movie. Like it, yeah. it really, it's just so distracting. It's such a, it such a focus pull. It takes me, because I get so infuriated by it, I stop watching the movie and it doesn't make me care. And it makes me someone who watches the movie and can turn off their device for an hour and a half. And if you can't do that, then don't fucking go to theaters, idiots. Yeah. Okay, so that's my, I that's my response. I haven't commented back, but my favorite comment is, so I said this and then some, and then the person who posted it was like bold of you to assume it's my recording and someone else commented like how is it better that you stole the recording and then posted <laughs> it and yeah anyway people are 
people are terrible, wow. and I'm yeah. definitely reaching an age where I think that youth is wasted on the young. But anyway, um, you should that... link, link link this episode in every response you get, so they can hear me tell them that they're fucking idiots if they think that. Please do that. Yeah. The other problem with TikTok is that I honestly think part of the problem is they're just literally children, and I feel weird about yelling at them. No, uh, I know. Yeah, I know. It's because you have children, and I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't yell at my children, though. <laughs> no, but it gives you a freedom to yell at other people's kids that I will that societally never have. <laughs> I do but anyway, have that freedom. Yeah. Anywho, let's move on to our next film, which is not like anything we've talked about so far. Um, and uh, so we're going to talk about the new, newly released on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, originally premiering at Sundance this year, uh, Still, which is a Michael J. Fox movie. It's a documentary about about and with the participation of Michael J. Fox and his uh, life and career and famously his struggle with um, Parkinson's disease. And I, there's no real synopsis of the film. It, it is mostly a talk him as a talking head and telling us about his life and about his early career and his you know skyrocket skyrocketing ascent to fame in the late 80s and early 90s um and then his diagnosis with parkinson's and his having to scale back and how he lives with that disease today and um let me tell you if you would like to be emotionally devastated today have i got the film for you uh, because uh, this movie is completely devastating, but also uplifting. It's really, it's a really interesting. Parkinson's is such a terrible, terrible disease. I don't know if anyone has anyone who's suffered from it, but I do. Um, and it's very, it was very, it's actually very difficult for me to watch. Um, uh, because it's a disease that eventually robs you of your ability to like it traps you in your body. Like it doesn't take away necessarily, although it can, it doesn't necessarily take away your cognition, but it does take away your ability to, to, you know, willfully move or communicate. And, um, I, I had, I had a really hard time watching this movie. Um, yeah. but it is wonderful, uh, because Michael J. Fox seems to be such a relentless optimist, um, which I think is in line with, what I remember of his performances and of his, you know, um, public persona when I was young and when he was a young hotshot actor. Um, but he seems to be so like relentlessly optimistic and positive and uh, sort of just accepting of his situation that it becomes something, even though I would say it's honestly maybe a little bit slight in terms of the depths to which it goes into all these subjects um it's still quite affecting i would say yeah um i don't know how did you feel about it so i i've got two types of feeling about this i've got an emotional reaction and a technical reaction and the i also found it a difficult watch emotionally because i always talk about how much star wars has been important to me but i think growing up it's fair to say that Back to the Future probably had an even bigger impact on me. Not just, like, Star Wars took me away and, and let me dream about sci-fi stuff, but 
Back to the Future, I've used in every bit of filmmaking I've ever done, every bit of acting I've ever done. I'm always trying to channel what Michael J. Fox does in all the Back to the Futures, and then because of that, I watched him in T-Wolf and The Secret of My Success. I watched hundreds of times and Doc mm -hmm. Hollywood and, and just that era of Michael J. Fox being so snappy and so funny and so genuine and so and also as a physical actor like i think one of the great um the one of the great reasons back to the future works is that you've got two of the best physical screen actors with christopher lloyd and michael j fox like are just so perfect at telling stories with uh the way they react and the way they move and if you want evidence of that, watch the footage of uh, Eric. Um, who was Marty before Eric? Um, Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz. So the the footage they shot of Eric Stoltz, and then replacing with Michael J. Fox because they wanted the spark. They wanted more of a spark than the serious take that Eric was giving them. And just you can as plain as day what he brings to a screen with this kind of energy. And when I was growing up, Back to the Future was everything me it was everything i wanted to try and say in stories and all all three of them in their own different ways so it's really hard to kind of describe the effects this man and his stories has had on me so watching this the cruelty of parkinson's taking someone who can only express through controlled movement and snappy responses having exactly those things taken away from him is like almost unbearable to watch and um like he is his kind of attitude towards dealing with it is so uh i was uh, very matter of fact i don't know it's so very like, he, very open and honest see, and matter of fact and it was there's a few things i didn't know there as well and i did kind of i do appreciate it. it's not a documentary about parkinson's it's a documentary about michael j fox learning he has parkinson's and so i knew it'd be difficult going in but what really blew me out my technical reaction to this is i thought it was so cleverly done now the the guy interviewing michael j fox has clearly been his friend for a long long time so it's a very honest way to speak to each other but it was also him reading out clips from his books uh, from his book but over footage that had been edited together with new footage of like the yeah. Michael J. Fox actor behind him being edited together to to tell the story that he was describing from all of his different movies as well. And I thought that was just the most brilliantly done way to, to convey that story. So technically this film blew me away, but the, there's one part where, where his friends like, why are you doing this now? And that part just broke my heart because he doesn't respond. He just looks down and he just knows. The, the the thing that really got to me is that you can see in his eyes how scared he is of what's happening to him and how it's taking mm -hmm. him away. And he, he talks about the dopamine-releasing drugs are being poured back into yourself. And that feeling of being not you, like trapped in this body, it's just devastating, absolutely devastating. And... And to have that happen in your late 20s to a person who's so fundamentally about expression. And also, side note, it's another story about a kid discovering meaning in drama class and a drama teacher changing someone's life by saying, hey, you should do this. 
And I wonder how many more stories we're going to get of that happening over and over and over before drama classes are, are treated equally to like math classes and English classes. But that's a different rant a completely. I could yeah. completely get, but I just loved him. There's one point where the interviewer said, so in drama class, because he joked about being short, in drama class you can be tall. And he said, in drama class you can be anything. And I yeah. just need that like emblazoned on every school in the country. And it was, uh, I was just fascinated by the way it went through his life and and told his story with a mix of him reading his book, the mix of his movies, the soundtracks of his movies, but also the new footage they shot to fit it all together. I thought it was just brilliant, just mind-blowingly good. Really so well I'll say that I, I, found, I found some of the reenactment stuff to be... Uh, it's not bad exactly. That's the wrong word. But it definitely, every time it cut from like him now to archive footage of him in the past or like footage of him from one of his shows or movies and then cut to like this reenacted footage, um, I found that kicked me out of it a little bit. I found that like I understood the, it's going to work for people and it clearly worked for you, but I found it a little bit, it just sort of jarring every time they went to it. Um, and yeah, that's my main criticism here because every everything you're saying is is correct, basically. That like it is the story of a person who found meaning in the ability to express themselves and is having that slowly stripped away from him. And that moment where he's asked, you know, why he's doing it now, and he just sort of looks down. You can tell it's because he's not going to be able to for much longer. Like the mm. the disease never stops, right? Um, he's in that horrible, horrible race with time. Um, and I do wonder, I think it's probably a great thing. So the person who made the film, uh, whose name is, uh, Davis, yeah, Davis Guggenheim is actually Elizabeth Shue's husband. No, <laughs> so, I didn't know that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would say they've probably been friends for quite a long time. He's been married. Davis Guggenheim has been married to Elizabeth Shue since 1994, I think. I looked up 94, 95. Mm. So they've definitely known each other for a long time. And I think he's just so, again, so open and honest and pragmatic about what's happening to him. And you can tell that he's still this like lovable, quick-witted guy. And every time he like stumbles over some one-liner that he's going to say, it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, but when he does get one out, it's also hilarious. And one of the first mm. scenes of the film, he's walking down the street and a woman says hi, and it distracts him enough that, or it doesn't distract him enough, but he like loses his footing and falls. And when she's checking on him, he's like, nice to meet you. You knocked me off my feet. <laughs> like, <and> it's just <laughs> such like a wonderfully sweet moment. And it's film is like yeah. full of those. And it totally yeah, lines it up with... Like, there's another great clip um, that I remember. I don't know why I remember this, but I remember watching. He won an Emmy at one point for Family Ties, and he got up on stage to accept it. He said, wow, I feel four feet tall. <laughs> and just, and like, <laughs> you, you, you get the impression that he's always been this way. And, it's mm. again, it's just sort of heart heartrending to to watch mm. it being stripped away. And they show, they show enough of his work through the late 90s, because he was diagnosed in 91, and now it's 2023. But he continued to work for a long time before he even told anyone and then continued to work after he had told everyone. 
And if you watch closely, knowing, you can totally see, you know, the ticks and the, mm. the difficulties he's describing in the beginning are clearly happening, in particular in the clips from Spin City, uh, which was a great yeah. show, by the way. You can totally see he's often complaining about his left arm. And if you watch close, if you watch him in the show, like he's very much deliberate with his left arm in every single clip. And mm. I can't imagine, can't imagine what that must be like. Um, but it is so refreshing that he's so open and frank about it. Um, mm -hmm. And every time, every time he's just telling for another interview, like what happened there? He's like, oh, I bashed my face in or, you know, I hurt myself. Again. Yeah. Or yeah. I fell down, a whatever it is. He's just like, yeah, this is what. This is just what happens when you have Parkinson's, um, and yeah, I it's, it's it's again kind of a heartbreaking film. It is. Um, it's heartbreaking, and and I was expecting to be at the end of this to be absolutely in a puddle. But what I found, what I really liked actually, is that the last kind of ten minutes, it does end really up upbeat, like with his family, and he's talking about how he couldn't be still in his life, and this whole. He's like framing Parkinson's as this wake-up call to be present, like to and and I'm not sure I would ever have this strength of mind to treat something like this as a, the way he's framing it in a in a positive sense. I'm not sure I've got that in me, and to see him with his family, his beautiful, amazing wife, and his kids, and just the relationship he has with his family, and it does end on a bit more of an, um, not optimistic, because there's no, as he said, there's no winning this race, but in it, it doesn't end in a devastating way. And I did appreciate that because I was, it was very hard watching this. Like, well, I think that's part of the, part of his character, right? Like he is yeah, so, yeah. so tremendously optimistic and open and frank that I think if it was anyone else, maybe it would have ended on like a dour moment, but mm -hmm. And it does end on a cut to black, but it does feel, it does feel hopeful. It does feel yeah, yeah. kind of wonderful that like, because our view of Parkinson's is one that rightly so, that it robs you of your agency. Um, but he's clearly making the best of it. Um, and all the discussion of how he used to hide from it. And then when he switched to no longer hiding from it and just again being, like you said, mm. present in his life, all of those scenes are just wonderful. Every yeah, time it cuts yeah. to him, him and, um, uh, wow, I totally blanked it. Uh, every time it cuts to a shot of like him just interacting with Tracy Paul and his wife or any of his four kids, mm. it's mm. always so wonderful. And he's yeah, so like, so, much love there. so open with them and they're so supportive and just like, yeah, mm. um, couldn't, couldn't happen to a nicer guy apparently. Uh, but like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Is it? Is this a tough watch? And but I'm glad that I did. And yeah, uh, I hope lots of other people do. I imagine Michael J. Fox is as important to many people as he is to you and I. Back yeah. to the Future was a staple in my household when I was young. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, you asked earlier, I think, in our bonus episode about like what were the films that were constantly on when I was a kid, and I should have just said Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cause it was, cause it was always on, uh, we, 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 without, without hyperbole, we wore out a videotape of, um, so yeah, 
it's 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 difficult to watch, but it's also kind of inspiring to watch because he's handling it in the way he's handling it. And I I hope that I hope the, that lots of people watch this and realize that it's not oh. it's not a hopeless diag it's you know it's a terminal diagnosis, but it's not a hopeless one, and you can still you know retain parts of yourself in your life. Mm. And I think that would be it's almost like when when he accepted it as and came out in the press conference and well not came out but. Uh, told told the world about it in the press conference, and then allowed it to inform his acting instead of trying to hide it under his acting. And he just seemed so much freer, like in the clips they showed with him acting with full symptoms, and then well, and he, and he it, literally actually being a story point. He literally says that too, like at one point when yeah. he uh, when he's talking about after the press conference about how he was able to just exist in a way that he hadn't been before. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, he, uh, I think it was right around the time, I think he became, he went sober not that long before that. Um, mm. And just, you know, all of those, all of these self-destructing things, self-destructive things he was doing to mm. hide it from himself and the, his family and the world were able to stop. Mm. And it seems like that was all the better. Yeah, for sure. And, you know. So, uh, what's the, how many stars are you going with for still? Oh, uh, four. It's a four star movie. Okay. Yeah, for you? I, it's five for me. Like it's, uh, I I really connected with that. I didn't have the issue you did with the being taken out of it. I thought it was really well put together and edited together and shot um, the new and the old, the new shots to match the old shots and then edited together with the sounds and everything. I thought it was really clever and. It was just, I don't know, spending time with someone who has touched you and, and shaped you creatively in ways you couldn't possibly describe, and then uh, watching him like trying, becoming positive about this tremendously negative thing is inspiring to me. So I thought it was mm -hmm. brilliantly done. So it's five stars for me. Yeah, it certainly continues Apple's like. It's interesting because we recently ripped apart an Apple TV Plus movie, but they actually have a very high hit rate <laughs> in terms of TV yeah. and movies. And they do this, tend uh, to, yeah. This yeah. this continues that they they do tend to pick stuff that um, that works and is good, and um, this continues that. So it's out it's out now on Apple TV Plus, and uh, it is our wholehearted recommendation that you watch it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, even even yeah. if you're not a huge fan, it's uh it's a it's a pretty inspiring doc, and I think you should watch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, totally agree. Yeah, good. Alrighty. Um, what have we got notable coming up this week? What's on next week? I think Silo starting. I'm interested in having a look at that. Have you got Silo is shows? Silo is started, uh, and the first three episodes oh. are good. Oh, are they? Yeah. You're already three ahead of me. Of course you are. Well, they released three <laughs> all at once, and you know. The upside of not having kids is that when my wife says, hey, do you want to watch this, science, <laughs> this dystopian science fiction show, all three episodes all at once, I can be like, yes, I do. <laughs> that doesn't exist in my life anymore, but yeah, yeah that's nice. Um, but it is, it is uh, just again, to, you know, Apple's history of, at the very least, well-produced stuff uh, continues mm -hmm. with the show. Like, it's gorgeous to look at. It's incredibly well-acted. Um. But yeah, I don't know what we're going to be talking about next week yet, so I'm not going to answer mm. that question. 
but there will Sweet. be something, and we will be back. What's up? This is we're recording on Sunday. My last question for you is: What is your Sunday night TV now? Because you used to religiously watch the HBO Sunday shows when Game of Thrones was going and something else was happening. Like, what's your what's your Sunday night TV in the Simpson house these days? I mean, it's still HBO because right now we're on episode eight of ten of the last season of Succession, <laughs> which if you uh, if anyone who hasn't watched this, like it has been legitimately one of the best things I've watched all year this year. Um, each each episode outdoes itself, and they made a lot of really interesting creative choices uh, throughout this season, including uh, the death of a major character that we all kind of knew would probably die before the show ended, but we had no idea. It just it yeah, it's it's I can't talk about it without spoiling it. Um, but it is this season has been like and and the beautiful thing about it is that literally every episode has had a moment for one of the major characters where I've gone oh so that's going to be their Emmy reel like that's going to be the clip like that is going to be the clip that's cool. but, not, but not in the way where you're like oh that's going to be the clip it's going to be like yep that's the one <laughs> that is the one where he sealed up his Emmy or Golden Globe or whatever you want to call it um, and uh, it's uh, it's been and it's been an absolute joy to watch, even though you're just watching terrible, broken people be terrible, broken people. It's uh, it's it's a very interesting show. And um, for anyone who's listening, it is my my contention is that it is Arrested Development played straight. So do with that information what you will. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now that's a head, you know, that's a head of a pitch. I mean, think about it. It's the show where. There's uh, a large family business. There's a patriarch in trouble. There's three children who are squabbling for control and access to that business and the funds it generates. And and <laughs> everyone is constantly manipulating everyone else. It's just Arrested Development played straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm really motivated to watch it. You've sold it to me. Yeah. Anyway, but that uh, I think that's what we're gonna call it for the day. Yeah. So again, Evil Dead Rise and still both uh, both recommended. Both go check them both out. Evil Dead Rise is still in cinemas and is also available to rent or purchase, <laughs> and uh, still is on Apple TV Plus. Was that? No, the police agree. Oh yeah. Well, it's Vancouver, and I live near the hospital, so it's actually a ambulance. Oh. Uh, but anyway. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, everyone who's old here and everyone who's new here, we're happy you're all here. So we hope you stick around. If you would like to support us, uh, the easiest way to do that would be to give us a like, give us a five-star review, or just subscribe uh, on your podcasting platform of choice. Those things help us show up in charts and all kinds of places, and that helps immeasurably. And if you would like to... Uh, support us more directly. We do have a, Patri- a Patreon, and you do get uh, all all patrons do get access to our bonus talks every week now. Um, you can find us on the socials. Uh, the show is at Awesome Friday CA, wherever is important. And I am at Matthew AF, and Simon is at Temporary Pen on the Twitters, and uh, me also on the Instagrams. And. Um, I was going to say something else. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, uh, we record we... this. We record this here in Vancouver on the traditional ancestral lands of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations. 
Uh, and one more time, thank you so much for listening on this awesome round. Bye.